and welcome to The Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 69th episode, our guest is Erica Roman. I asked Erica to send me her biography, and here's what she sent me. My name is Erica Roman. My life was forever changed on April 18th, 2016, when my husband of seven years and the love of my life died unexpectedly of an undetected heart condition, leaving me and our one-year-old daughter behind. A couple days after the funeral, I discovered that I was pregnant with our son. I would have never imagined that I would end up a 27-year-old pregnant widow. As I process my own healing journey through writing, it is my heart to be able to encourage others in their own struggles and bring understanding to those who have hurting people in their lives. You can read Erica's blog at ericaroman.me. That's E-R-I-C-A-R-O-M-A-N dot M-E. And now on to the show. Hello. Hey, it's Rob. Hey. Hey, sorry about that. My uh, three-year-old needed me, and we just got back from a very uh, tearful trip to Target. So, oh, um, yeah, sorry about happens. that. I have a two-year-old. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, go ahead and just uh, introduce yourself for uh, people that don't know who you are. Okay. Um, my name is Erica Roman, and I was widowed 15 months ago, and most people know me now as the person who wrote the blog defending um, Patton Oswalt's engagement. Right, right. I've gotten through, I'd say, I'm through to December now um, of last year. I've read all the way up to there, and then some interspersed, and then, of course, the Patton Oswalt one you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I do I do know a lot about your life. Uh, I'm no, I know less in the last six months because I haven't reached that part yet, but <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty caught up, so... Anyway, for people, um, just to give them an idea about yourself, where did you grow up? What was your fam- family life uh, like growing up? Um, and obviously, if anyone's read anything you've written, uh, they know that your relationship with God is very important to you. Um, so I'd just kind of like to hear about how all that happened when you were first growing up. Okay. Um, well, I grew up in um, Port St. Lucie, Florida, and I'm currently living in Vero Beach, Florida, so it's East Coast, um, about an hour or so from Orlando, which is what everybody asks. Um, <laughs> so um, I grew up on the beach, which was amazing. Um, and I am the firstborn of five kids. Um, I've got two younger sisters and two younger brothers. So um, growing up was kind of like cheaper by the dozen a little bit. <laughs> um, and I, I did grow up in church, um, but my faith has kind of gone over. Uh, through a couple of different transformations since growing up and to where it is today. And um, so that's always been a part of me. Um, but it's such a broad topic, it's kind of hard to dive yeah. into. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess one thing that, that kind of struck me is that you feel that you have a very active relationship with God. And I would say that yeah. a lot of people that, and I'm sure you, you've, you've talked about this on your blog a lot, that you know, you, you, uh, you feel that God is speaking to you every day and I don't feel like some people that say that they are Christians exactly feel that you know what I mean so I think that is a little bit interesting yeah and actually that makes me sad a little bit um, because that's what it's supposed to be like but um, I actually didn't um, have that sort of relationship with God until um, maybe 
five or six years ago. Um, and um, so I grew up kind of with the standard, um, you know, Christian bubble walk, essentially. Um, but I've told people since then that if, um, if my faith had not shifted before this happened into a more uh, dynamic personal relationship with God, um, then I would not have continued to um, remain in my faith after all this had happened. Um, if my faith was like just a checklist of these are the things I do and these are the things I don't do and these are the things I believe and I don't believe, I support, don't support, and I you know wear these kind of clothes and listen to this kind of music. If it was just um, a cultural checklist that would I would have I would have abandoned it immediately but because I had so many personal encounters with God and I could hear him you know speaking to me and pointing things out to me and um, because of that is why I um, was able to keep my faith because and in the beginning after um, in the month or so after my husband passed away so unexpectedly I was not interested in in hearing from God, um, wasn't going to church. Um, I kind of stepped out, uh, of everything, but I, even so I still felt, um, his voice pursuing me gently, um, to try and, you know, bring comfort and, um, bring me back to that peace with him. Yeah. Yeah. Not to get too in the, in the weeds, but I do think it is interesting in your writing, how you talk about, um, that very, uh, subject where I guess in, in the wake of this happening, people would say to you something about being God's plan. Um, oh. and, and you, you reject that oh. out of hand, right? Yes. So. I do. I hate that. Uh, um, um, yeah, because it makes God sound really mean. And, and that's the, um, <laughs> I, I mean, God is on the hook for a lot. If you, you know, <laughs> so, um, and I really struggled with that because it's, um, you know, if God's like, all right, so the plan for today is, you know, take, take Erica's husband and make her pregnant. Uh, and now on to the next thing. No. So I, I, I reject that. And, and, um, unfortunately it's one of the things that, um, people of faith go to immediately when bad things happen to other people. Uh, I have a friend who just lost her daughter and she gets the same thing and I'm able to go and be like, I'm so sorry. People are saying that to you. Just let it go. Um, but my, where I've kind of settled with that is, um, you know, God's plan from the beginning was, was paradise. It was, you know, Eden and it was a harmony with him and <clears throat> everything is broken because we've you know brought brokenness into the world. And so, now his plan is making beauty from the brokenness. Um, so sickness and, you know, um, bad things happening are all, all those are, things are just as a product of a broken human experience that we're living here. Um, but what he does is he's like, okay, this is going to happen. So how can I redeem this? How can I bring light into this situation? And that's what his plan is. His plan isn't, you know, um, isn't taking people's husbands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hard to support that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, that, that's, that's an interesting insight that you've had there. But anyway, um, I definitely want to talk more about that, but I wanted to kind of get more of the groundwork of just, uh, how did you and, and John meet? Um, that's actually a funny story. Uh, it was at a 4th of July barbecue that I was actively trying not to go to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, 
it, so yeah, it was just uh, through a friend's house, but um, the, the friend had, there was someone else that was interested in me that was going to be there that I did not want to see. So, um, but my whole family was going to be there and no matter what I did to try and get out of it, I still ended up going and that's how I met my husband. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that was um, 2007. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So, 4th of July, 2007. And how old were you then? I was 18. Yeah, I was 18, but turned 19 a couple months later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's uh, pretty young, and then you guys got married. Yep. How, how soon after young. did you guys get married? Then? Uh, year, a year and a half later, so I was 20 um, mm-hmm. when I got married, mm-hmm. So, um, and he was 25. Mm-hmm. So, so, how did, um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, what were you going to ask? Oh, I was going to ask how he proposed to you. Oh, um, we kind of had already talked about it beforehand, so mm-hmm. it wasn't like, like a complete surprise, but he just, he took me on like a, um, a tour of all the places that meant something to us, and um, there, early on in our dating relationship, um, we had spent a evening with a big group of friends um, watching a meteor shower um, mm-hmm. and so he that was where he took me and proposed to me there mm. very cool um, and that was how uh, how long between the uh, proposal and then the wedding was there um, six, months. six months so we dated a year and we were engaged six months gotcha okay and how was the how was the wedding uh, it was really nice um, I it, we kept it simple and not a very extravagant person so um um we had a lot of fun and uh it was just here in bureau um um just you know friends and family and mm-hmm. uh, it was a lot of, it was you know it was a really nice really nice time mm-hmm. and you in your blog you talk pretty openly about some of the ups and ups and downs of your marriage um mm-hmm. you know you, you said that maybe uh early in a relationship uh that there was some some conflict uh what was that conflict mm-hmm. uh revolving around you said maybe something about your mission work and wanting to continue that and him not being that enthusiastic about it so there was some of that um we just had kind of different dreams of the future for a while before we could kind of make our own dream together mm-hmm. um and then partly it was just i think we were very young and had to yeah. grow up some and um learn how to be married so i think um i think every marriage kind of goes through a fire at some point and um it's kind of the make or break of it and so um we hit we hit a fire um and you know, pressed through. We got some support from our, some friends and our pastors at our church and, um, just encouraged us. And, um, we were able to rebuild. And, um, the cool thing is on the other side of the fire, marriage was awesome. Um, and it gets so much better when you're able to work through things. Mm -hmm. Um, because as hard as it is to see in the midst of it on the other side, it just, it gets so much better because you have that deeper connection because of what you went through. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, was it possibly also becoming parents that helped uh, bring you guys closer together as well? I feel like maybe that is always the thing that brings people together. Yeah. So, um, so I would say we definitely got closer after um having our daughter, but the closeness had started before. I think it was maybe 
two, we had two years after like our hard time and it was kind of as as we had grown closer together it was almost natural like okay we have this love for each other now we want to you know have an overflow into a family and so um but yeah no having um having our daughter brought us so much closer together and it just um he rose to the challenge of fatherhood beautifully and just was fully invested. And even for someone who had basically no experience with kids, I mean, I, I was mama too growing up with as many younger siblings as I had, and he was the baby of his family and had no younger cousins or anything like that growing up. But, um, even so he was just, um, he loved on my, our daughter and, um, and just was there for whatever needed to happen. He was great. Um, he would get up with her in the morning so I could sleep a little bit since I was the one, um, who mostly got up with her at night. Uh, we were breastfeeding, so he couldn't help out with that, <laughs> but he would take her, he would take her in the morning so that I could sleep some, which was just, um, precious and, uh, I definitely missed that part. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. And, uh, I was excited to hear that and read that your, your husband was very musical. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, what was his kind of dreams with that in his, in his career? Well, um, he, he, um, definitely had a passion for music and, um, interestingly enough, so we lived in Nashville for four years and absolutely nothing with his music picked up there other than just, you know, he would play the guitar for fun. Um, but when we moved back to Florida, he started working at, um, Costa, uh, Costa Esta, which is, um, Emilio and Gloria Estefan's resort. Oh. Um, and, um, so he, um, someone had said to someone that he could play. And so, um, his, you know, the manager came in and had him do like a demo and, um, they got him playing there on a regular basis. I think like three or four gigs a week, depending mm-hmm. on the time of year. Um, and, um, from that he was able to really transition to doing music full time around town. And it was really exciting. He was actually able to play for the Estebans, um, like four or five times there during one of their visits, which was really cool. And he was able to talk to them and they really encouraged him, um, in his music and gave him some advice. And, um, so we were really excited. Um, when it came to his career, we had started writing music and, um, kind of getting serious as to what that would look like if it took off somewhat. Um, and so that was all going on. Um, the year leading up to um, when he passed away. And actually the weekend before there was um, rumors that the Estevans would be back that weekend. And you're like, well, maybe he'll be able to play for me again. And Mm -hmm. that didn't happen. And then, you know, and then that Monday he passed away. So it was really like a whiplash because we were kind of building towards something. um, And then it was just everything dropped out. So that was really, that was really difficult. Absolutely. Um, But, uh, yeah, just tell me about April 18th, 2016. Like, just, it's a normal day, I assume, or, or what kind of yeah. day was it when you woke up? Yeah, um, my daughter has never been a good sleeper, so she was up all night that night. Um, and so we were both really groggy that morning. Um, but he had put, made plans to... Um, go play basketball with some friends. So, um, he actually got up and let me sleep for an hour and then 
uh, I woke up, took uh, took over with Jocelyn, and uh, he went to go play basketball. Um, we were planning on going to the gym when he got back, so I mean, it's not like he, you know, there was even a slightest surprise or. or or um, the slightest hint that anything was, you know, going to happen. Um, so he, um, when he played, when he would play, um, a lot of times he, he wouldn't get my text because obviously he was on the court. So when I, he was a bit late because um, we were going to meet a friend at the gym, I started getting a little worried, but I'm like, well, maybe they played another game. So I'm like, in my mind, that gives me him another like 45 minutes or so if he, if he did an extra game. Um, and so I just kept looking at my phone and then I'm like, well, I guess maybe we're not going to work out. So, you know, like it was just kind of starting to get a little worried and I was just more wondering, you know, he was never really good with time schedule. Like I was the one that made sure we got places on time. So I was starting to get annoyed. (laughs) Um, and then, um, um, you know, heard a knock at the door and there was two police officers and that's never a good feeling. Um, but I thought it was maybe something in the neighborhood or, um, cause we had, uh, there's always this, there's a dog that runs loose and sometimes it's gotten into things. So I thought maybe it was because of that. And, um, so he asked if I was, if I was the wife of John Roman and that, that, you know, get your attention real, real quick. And so I thought maybe there was a fight, maybe there, you know, what, you know, you're just start thinking of all the scenarios, but the, him passing away was not one of the ones. And, um, and so when I said, yes, he asked the, the police officer asked if there was someone else who could hold my daughter. Cause I was holding her in my arms at the time. And, uh, that <laughs> again, like is another feeling of dread, just kind of creeping up on you so my uh, uncle was over actually at the time so handed her to him and they just explained that um uh, they found him in the car um they asked if he had had any health issues and i you know said no and um they said well they took him at um um took him to the hospital and he had passed away before or he didn't make it i think it was the exact words that they said that he didn't make it which it like your brain just has a hard time comprehending that reality and like what do you what do you mean of course he made it like what do you mean and so um i i had to i they had to explain it like twice what happened and um um so they kept asking if he had um if he had had a history of seizures or what they they you know because they weren't sure um i guess he um he was driving home and uh was at a stop sign or something when it happened and so the car just kind of inched forward into a ditch and that's where they had bound him um so thankfully he didn't have hit anybody else or you know caused any more of that sort of thing um so it was a couple days before the autopsy um revealed that he had had a a pretty severe heart condition which was likely genetic considering he was only 32 um and active and you know all those things so um yeah that was that was the it was a surreal day and even to this point like thinking back on it like there's like gaps in my memory where it's like almost things paused because it was just mm-hmm. the the shock of it is um 
it's kind of hard to relate uh, truly so well i think your your mind in some ways shuts parts of itself off in moments like that Mm -hmm. for you know self-protection you know more than anything else because like that's i think that's why that that you remember things like that with that way you know right yeah so um but yeah so then you know there's that week of making decisions that you never thought you would ever have to make at 27 um when did he have a will did he did you guys talk about this no, did, did you think not, about what would happen not really i mean we were both pretty young and um you know have no money so <laughs> and so like we didn't have you know life insurance yeah, or sure. anything um we had talked about the both of us wanting to be cremated or as opposed to being buried. Um, mm-hmm. so like there was, there was that, but, um, it was still just kind of, you, you just don't think about right. the reality of those kind of things. And so mm-hmm. I think the hardest thing was, um, uh, I had to make a couple calls to tell people, um, what had happened. Um, the hardest being his, you know, his mom, that was rough. Um, mm. and I think I only had the strength to make three phone calls. And after that, I, I just said, just, uh, I had, um, two different people who I had called said, please just tell anyone who needs to be told. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I could do. Um, and, um, she planned for the, we did the funeral and, um, I was able to muster the strength to speak at it. Cause I know, uh, John was a, a words person. Like if you know, love languages, he was a words of affirmation person. So I couldn't not speak for him. And, um, after that, it's just kind of a bit of a blur um, until two, three days later, um, I discovered that I was pregnant, um, which was another shock, to say the least, since we were not trying. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask because uh, you don't really go into too much detail, and that's fine. But um, mm-hmm. uh, you do say that you know this was kind of a momentary you know, whatever. And you didn't, you know, you didn't, uh, weren't on a schedule or anything. And this was just, you know, kind of a uh, one thing. So, uh, how did you guys think about the possibility that you could get, you know, have another kid though? Did you talk about no. that at least? Well, we had, no, we had wanted more kids just mm-hmm. not at the moment. Right. Um, right. We wanted to see <laughs> just an eventual, <laughs> in a more eventual kind of way. Right. Right. Um, we wanted to see what was going to happen with John's music and we were planning on trying to move to Miami where there would be more opportunity. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I was already a little bit late the day it happened. So when a week went by, uh, in my mind, I'm like, please let it just be stress, you know, but I just, I knew, I, I, I think I knew as soon as, as soon as that day happened that that's, that I was pregnant and, um, I just didn't want to know. So my, uh, my mom actually sent my sister-in-law to go buy a test because I didn't want to go buy one. Um, so then of course I couldn't rest until I took the test. Well, I just didn't sleep. I, I honestly, I don't think I slept for a week other than like, like a twilight zone kind of rest. But, um, um, I think I took the test at like three and four in the morning, somewhere in there and, uh, cried until the rest of the household woke up. (laughs) Um, and then I just, I told my mom and then I called my mother-in-law and then I just put it on Facebook because I'm like, I can't, 
I, I just, I don't have time to call people and just, I can't even process them myself. So I'm just like, I'm just going to just let everyone know now so yeah. that I don't have to answer a bunch of questions. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was an intense, that was another intense day mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Now, uh, talk about, you know, people not knowing how to react. I mean, it's like yeah. people hear that and they want to, your first, your lizard brain or whatever goes like, oh, someone says they're pregnant, congratulate them. And then wait a mm-hmm. second, hold on. <laughs> Is this really mm-hmm. a welcome uh, thing happening right. for them right now? Also on top of that? Yes, Nito, yeah. it's happening. Oh my gosh, it's happening. <laughs> like, yes, I think yeah. that. The best uh, comment that I got on my on the news was, "It's the best and worst news ever." <laughs> um, and I was like, "Yes, mm-hmm. that is the appropriate response to that," um, <laughs> because it was a little overwhelming when I would see people in person and then they would react as if it was like a normal pregnancy announcement with the you know jumping and squealing and excitement, and I'm like, "I I'm not there." Um, I'd tell people now if you know someone's going through some sort of trauma, try and assess their emotional state and just mm-hmm. meet them there. Yeah. Um, because it was it took me quite a while before I was able to be happy about the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and uh, yeah. this kind of leads into uh, one of the my favorite uh, posts that you had, which was the two part uh, thing about what to say to people who are going through yeah. trauma. Or oh, more to the yes. point, the first part was what don't to say. Oh, don't yeah. say don't don't say these things. Um, yeah. Could you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, um, it's. I know. Like in my mind, I kept repeating over in my head. It's like they're just doing the best they can that they know how. But there is a lot of. Um, we as a culture, I think, just we don't know how to deal with grief or trauma, and we try and find um, quick, quick fix like cliches and um, or like we just want to fix it immediately when things just can't be fixed. So. Um, there was quite a few things. Um, one, the whole God's plan, um, was an, mm-hmm. I, I took an entire, uh, section of that blog to address that one. Um, and Bible verses, those, like those ticked me off, which is funny because I mean, I worked in ministry and I mean, people knew me as a Christian. So, but in my mind, I'm like, okay, I've probably read the Bible through more times than you have. So, like by the time I was in high school, I know what the, what it says. You don't have to tell me the verses that I've seen quilted on pillows a million times. It's not helpful. <laughs> um, like, I like I literally, it's a broad stroke now. I tell people, if, if someone's going through a hard time, you're not allowed to say any scripture at all. Nothing. Don't say it. Don't say it. It's not going to do any good, and it's just going to tick them off. <laughs> it's Oh no, you're um, kidding. Love love is pa- both patient and kind. I have I've never heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, no, the um for all things work together and uh, for I know how the plans for you, those two. Like I I kid you not, I think I think I wanted to like just scribble them out of my Bible by the time I had gotten pointed at me so many times. Um so like I've made peace with those verses now, but in the moment uh, I really hated them. Um and um so yeah, that's a no no. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um 
I'm trying to think of what was, it's been a while since I wrote that list, but a lot of it is basically just don't, don't say anything. I actually have made the joke that I feel like there should be a rule that at funerals, you're not actually allowed to say anything to the people who have lost the loved one, like mm-hmm. just hugs and money. And that's it. <laughs> well, I, yeah, that was another thing I was going to mention is that, you know, where the, the, the other cliche that people throw out, and I'm sure I've even done this to people before is the old, uh, Oh, if there's anything I can do, well, first yeah. of all, okay, there's really nothing you can do. There no, is something you exactly. could give me. Uh, I need, yes. like, as you say, money and, and, and you know, f- right. human contact and food. Yep. But if you yep. can't fulfill those basic needs, then, yeah, that's that's a nice, that's just, we're just yeah. making sounds with our mouths and, right now. <laughs> right. And I, and I understand, I understand, you know, the heart of that, but, like, I don't know, like, in my mind, I'm like, I don't know how to even respond to that. <laughs> I don't even know what I need. And so my, the best, like the best moments were really when people just didn't ask, they just did something. So like, um, I, I ended up having, um, donuts were my pregnancy craving. And so I had, um, a couple different times, various friends just showed up my, at my door with, you know, a half dozen of donuts and they're like, here, just want to give you a hug and donuts. And that's excellent. I highly recommend, you know, donuts or any sort of sweet mm-hmm. <laughs> to, uh, to people going through stuff. Um, and you know, just those kind of things were great, but you know, constantly being asked, what can I do? It almost is like, it makes the person who you're asking have to try and figure something out when they're trying to figure out their whole life, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, right. I mean, and I understand like, and all those, those things are meant in kindness, but, um, it really was a bit stressful after like this, you know, 300th person's like, can I do something for you? Just please just tell me what, what I need to do. I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I haven't thought past whether I ate or not today, so I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, nor am I going to necessarily remember what you say later anyway, because this is all going to be a blur. Um, yep. So, uh, one thing that I thought was interesting is the names that you uh, have for your children. Could you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, so um, we named our daughter after John, um, which was a tradition from my family. I was actually named after my father, who's uh, Eric. And so, um, um, my, uh, my mom has like, are you going to, you know, continue the tradition? I'm like, well, I don't know. We'll see. And we had a, <laughs> we had, um, uh, you know, we did, had a daughter obviously. And, and then I was like, well, what if we named him? We, we named her after you. And so, um, he was Jonathan Alexander. So he, uh, so her name is Jocelyn Alexandra. Mm-hmm. Um, and then naming, um, my son was very difficult because one, um, I felt like there was a lot of kind of extra pressure on the name, on his name mm-hmm. and also, and expect some expectations. And also John and I did not agree on any boy's name at all. <laughs> like we were like, thank goodness this is a girl because <laughs> this is going to be hard. So like did not agree on a single name. Like the names I loved, he hated the names he loved. I hated. And so, um, <laughs> so it was, I, it was very like in my mind, I'm like, well, now I have to try and figure out whether he would hate the name or not. Um, and so, um, I had a, um, a list of kind of names that I was thinking on. And, um, when, uh, and actually the name I ended up going with was kind of like a last minute addition to that. Um, so his, my husband's name was Jonathan. So I'm like, well, 
there's um, so there's a lot of kind of pressure, almost like an expectation for me to name mm-hmm. him Jonathan because you know of what happened. Um, right. But that was actually one one easy thing that was easy because we had had that discussion before in that we didn't like the idea of naming our kids our exact names because we feel like they should have their own identity. Um, you know, not hitting on people who do the juniors and you know the first and the second. And third, you're talking but, to a second right now. I just like to point out, okay. Okay, but go on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, no, it's all good. <laughs> you know, but um, that for us, like we just we wanted to give them their own. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though like I was named after my dad, I wasn't named my dad's exact name. Mm-hmm. And so there's still a little difference there. So I thought, well, there's an expectation for me to name him Jonathan, but I don't want to do that. I think it one would be really painful, and two, we had already discussed not doing that. So mm-hmm. I had I kind of made that clear pretty early on when people would mention that. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Um, so, but then I considered, well, what if I took part of his name and which is Nathan. Um, and when I, I'm really into meanings of names, um, I feel like it's significant. And so I uh, looked up the meaning of Nathan and it meant God is given. And for me, I was like, Oh wow, that feels right. And so, um, I had a list of middle names that I liked and I'm like, okay, well, what, has God given and um, the name Luke, which was actually a contender for the first name, but then I was worried about the I am your father jokes, so um, I did not want to do that to him as much as of a Star Wars fan as I am. Um, <laughs> I did not want to do that to him, um, So, but Luke was on the list and that meant light, and so I was like, well, that just, it feels right. Like in, in my darkness, God has given light. And so Nathan Luke means God has given light. And so that's how I um, came to his name. Um, cool. So. Yeah. You, uh, you also wrote about this as well. Um, you seriously said, you said you seriously considered uh, maybe uh, giving up for adoption mm-hmm. that as an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk yeah. about that? Yeah. I um, was overwhelmed with my entire life. And the thought of two children was just completely overwhelming to me when I, you know, was having a hard time just functioning by myself, much less my daughter, you know, in the early weeks and months of grief. And so um, I actually used to work for a pregnancy center that helped with um, women who either needed help with caring for their, you know, mm-hmm. themselves and their babies in the early times or wanted um, information and in, in walking through the process of adoption. So I was actually relatively familiar with that process mm-hmm. and um, I had made a um, like a friendly acquaintance um, maybe the, a year before who had um, found a family for her um, her son. And so I'd actually reached out to her and was like, listen, this is what I'm thinking of. Um, and she kind of gave me some feedback. And I wasn't thinking of, like a stranger adoption. I was actually considering asking um, my husband's cousin. Um, so, um, but it, that was in the early, this was in the very early weeks. When I found out that it was a son, um, I just, something about, no, like, I just, I, I couldn't. So there was something about once I realized it was a boy that just kind of bonded me to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and now I couldn't possibly even consider, like, he's, he's the happiest baby on the planet. And I say that over and over cause he's constantly smiling. And, mm-hmm. um, 
so now you know he's he is my little little bundle of joy literally um and so um but no i did i did consider that just because again i i was having a hard time making sure i ate and showered and kept my child my daughter alive um, (laughs) (laughs) that was that was the goal of life in those first couple months was each shower make sure make sure jocelyn doesn't hurt herself yeah um so um but yeah, it, it, that was something I considered, but really only until I found out I was having um, a boy, and then I was like, no, I, I have to figure out a way to be strong enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, if I've uh, recorded a couple episodes with my wife Ash, and we talked about the, the way she uh, gave birth. She gave birth uh, with a C-section, and she also mm-hmm. gave birth this most recent time uh, with with no drugs or anything, just mm-hmm. just naturally or not well, not naturally. That's a loaded yeah. word, whatever. But um, right. you know, <laughs> vaginally, I guess you should say the scientific term. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, uh, I can't imagine. Uh, you know, I don't know how much help I actually was in those moments. I think <laughs> I, I was was morally supportive I, I held her hand and took pictures and yeah. and all that but um you know i i think that would be an incredibly scary experience to do without the, a partner there um yeah. so you've had it both ways so what was the differences yeah. between your two um and i i can i it's interesting because it's hard to explain the um importance of having that you know, partnered there, there's a strength that comes with it. And as I was thinking about it, it's almost like, you know, just holding the hand was almost like, um, you know, him lending me his strength to get through that process. And so I actually found the, um, my second labor was a little more difficult when it came to dealing with the pain. The first time my pain management wasn't that bad, um, really. And I did it completely, uh, unassisted without anything. And, um, and the first time was, uh, wasn't quite as hard. Um, cause in my mind, like I, I, I don't know, you have your person who's being your support there. And I mean, I had my sister and my mom and mm-hmm. other people um, for the second time, but there's, it's a difference. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a difference. And um, so, um, like, the first time, there was never a moment I thought I couldn't do it. But the second time, and when that transition hit, I was like, I don't want to do this. I think I'm done. <laughs> I want to tap out. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, obviously he was able to make it through and, um, um, but yeah, no, the, the presence of a partner in the room can't be under, like, no. it can't be over, overvalued. It's just really, it's really an important thing. And, yeah. um, yeah, there's, and even if it is just holding the hand and mm-hmm. not even saying, just being present there, there's a huge um, mm-hmm. strength that comes with that. It's interesting because you're such a, like, you use words a lot, and you, you love words, mm-hmm. and you post quotes from other people all the time, but you yeah. really have a low tolerance for, like, people just throwing out, like, cliches or, or, or just yeah. meaningless statements, which I, yeah. which I guess means that you respect language more than most people, but um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's just an interesting thread I've noticed about what you talk about you just just being present and just showing up is is kind of most important and you know just spouting greeting cards at people is not as you know helpful sometimes right 
Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, your blogging uh, seems like you've done this before. Have you blogged in the past uh, other places? <laughs> no. Um, well, t- I mean, technically, yes. But, but, I mean, when I say yes, I mean when I was in high school and I had a Zanga account. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Back to the past. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to throw that real far back. <laughs> um Goodness. So, Catch me on MySpace. <laughs> yeah, no, it was beyond my, it was definitely pre MySpace days. So um, I I blogged before it was cool. Wow. <laughs> but <laughs> um I don't even know that they called it a blog back in the day. Web blog. Um, yeah, something. Um so um I've always been a writer but um and I've meant I've like tried to start blogs a couple times over the years mm-hmm. and it just didn't really work out. Um, I've actually gained more ground. Um, I have two different novels in progress, um, which are way more fun to write about than the stuff I'm writing about now. Um, but I have a, a, a like a, an apocalypse um, novel and a, like a fantasy novel in progress um, that I was working on before everything happened. And those are kind of shelved for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so that would be where, I mean, I have been writing just not publicly um, since my Zanka days. <laughs> right. Well, um, I also wonder just because, uh, you know, you are so open about uh, things that are going on in your life and, and your, your life with your husband. Uh, do you think that he'd be okay with you sharing this as, uh, with the world as much as, as you are? Um, I think so. Actually, he had wanted me, he had encouraged me that I should start blogging or his, his thought was to have a YouTube channel, but mm. um, cameras freak me out a little bit. So I'm, yeah, but do you I'm see how many views with... those things get? My wife watches those YouTube videos all the time, and there's like yeah, hundreds of thousands, and it's crazy. I know, and I know more people watch videos than they do mm-hmm. vlogs, but which is very um, depressing. Words, but go on. <laughs> I know, it makes me very sad. Um, but my words come out much nicer through writing. Um, mm-hmm. But that could be. But that is something he had been encouraging me to start doing, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to the content of what I'm writing um, and being open about our struggles and stuff, I I try and see um, even while I'm being honest, I try and filter it through honor. Like I will, like when I when I I'm going to bring up a situation, I try and emphasize my faults as opposed to his. Mm-hmm. Um, because not that he wasn't, you know, everyone's, everyone's got imperfections, but, um, I just, I try and be honoring cause he's not here to defend himself. Sure. There's only one side um, of the story to be told right, right now. So. Right. So I, I try, um, when it comes to anything that could possibly be construed as negative, I try and emphasize my part in that process, um, as much as I, I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but, and that's kind of what I go, what I go through. And and that's true for anything. Like there's lots of topics that I could bring up, um, about other things that have happened, um, since I've started blogging, but it would require involving other people mm-hmm. who I don't want, even if they are at fault with something, um, I don't want to dishonor anyone with my writing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, basically. for sure. Um, now, you, you have some uh, posts in here about uh, entering the dating pool again, possibly. Yeah. Uh, talk about yeah. your thoughts about that and how they've kind of evolved over time here. Um, I have very minimal dating experience. I mean, I met my husband right before I turned 19. Mm -hmm. I had one like high school boyfriend. We held hands and went to youth group together. (laughs) That's about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll see college students lately and they just look like babies to me. I don't know. I'm 34, but it's just like, I thought I was so old when I was like that age and it's just, you know, I know. I've gained. <laughs> I've definitely aged like ten years. So. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. <laughs> um, so now, it, which, which is really funny because someone like had brought up um, some uh, someone that they knew. I didn't know the person. They're like, "Oh, they're this age," and I'm like, "Are they like really young?" They're like, "He's he's your same age," and I'm like, "Oh, he just seems young to me." <laughs> So, um, no, I just, I'm not, I'm not thrilled with the the dating culture. Um, and, um, I mean, it's completely changed from when you were single last. Yeah. Just, yeah. And I didn't even date much then. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, I just, I don't know, like trying to figure out the right words to, to describe it. So I'm just not the kind of person to do the games so for me i'm quite straightforward um if i like someone i will say that i like them i'm not going to do the whole i don't know i don't do the games and that's all this culture is currently from what i've seen is the games and i remember having conversations with my husband like wow thank god we're not single now Um, (laughs) laugh 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 and i have used used on more than one occasion that the dating the dating world currently is like the hunger games Hmm. Um, <laughs> what it looks like from the it looks like from the outside, and uh, my opinion hasn't changed much. So, um, yeah, it just it's kind of it's sad a little bit to me the the vagueness and um, it seems like people are just using each other to pass the time a, a lot, um, or just until the next good thing comes along or better thing comes along. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I won't be dating that way. Um, I logged on to just out of morbid curiosity and or boredom and possibly because my son was keeping me all, all night long, but I logged onto a dating site for exactly 24 hours and, uh, I'll, nope, nope, nope. That's exactly, I, I, after 24 hours, I was like, Yep, that's not happening. I del- <laughs> I didn't respond to anything. I just deleted it. Like, yep, nope, that's not happening. <laughs> I am not cut out for that. <laughs> um, but that was bef- like you know, a couple months ago before I would have been ready to date anyway. So right, um, right. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads into uh, your post about Patton Oswalt. Um, and mm-hmm. I've, I've interviewed Patton actually in the past when he came through to oh, yeah? Bloomington uh, for the Limestone Comedy Festival. I, I talked to him on the phone for uh, a few minutes. And uh, mm-hmm. I also saw him speak at Ebert Fest, Roger Ebert's film festival, uh, festival in uh, Champaign, Illinois. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I've been a huge fan of his for a long time. And uh, when I saw that he was engaged again after his wife had died, 
Um, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, good. I thought, all right, somebody I like is seems like they've found, you know, some kind of happiness mm-hmm. in the world. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> good for them. Um, then I read your thing, and it didn't really even occur to me that there would be a, a pushback to that, because why would there mm-hmm. be? I don't get it. Like, right. But anyway, uh, so I read your thing, and I've kind of stopped reading the you know comments on things, which is maybe why I'm a little bit ignorant mm-hmm. of that. But your uh, your thing had just the most awful. Can you talk about what the reaction you saw from people to, on this? Yeah. Um, so I, I was reading those comments at, during the middle of the night feeding with my son, which you should never read comments in two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's never a good thing. Um, that should be in the constitution I, so, or something. There's <laughs> a law. Do not read the comments in the middle of the night. Yeah. Don't do it. Um, so I actually, he, I mean, I knew who he was, but he wasn't really on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really follow celebrities too much. Um, like I just, it, uh, unless it's something like a random nerd fact, because I am mm-hmm. nerdy and those things matter to me. So, but other than that, I don't care who's dating who. I can't tell you who the Kardashian sisters are. I don't know. Um, so I only he only came on my radar um, last year when in some of my some of the widow groups I'm in on Facebook would started sharing some of his process, and so I started following him then. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, just only on the things that he when he talked about his wife and his grief process. And so, um, so I was really excited when I saw that he um, was engaged, and kind of especially because our our spouses passed away within days of each other. Yeah, it was pretty kind close. Of been yeah. On the same, yeah, we've been on the same timeline a bit when it like a lot of the things he would write I'm like, yep, that's exactly where I'm at. And so, um when I saw that he, you know, had become engaged and announced, I was I was really excited because it was almost like not because of a celebrity got engaged, it was because a widow moved forward, you know, mm-hmm. some, that 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 kind of mindset. So I wasn't excited about his celebrity status like almost like his just his humanity status um mm-hmm. and so when i scrolled down and i saw the comments and there were so many i mean i, I picked out some of them but mm-hmm. so many just quick ju- like quick off the shoulder judgments in the, of people who have no idea what they're talking about mm-hmm. um and so um so that made me mad because again not just because it was, you know, the celebrity guy that they were hating on, because, like, that's the same response so many widows and widowers get when they start dating again. Um, and, like, it's a very common topic in the support groups on Facebook is, mm-hmm. you know, I've been, they, people get disowned, they're friendly, like there's gossip mm. and all these things. It's, it's like a big deal when someone who is widowed right. decides to love again, like there's a lot of backlash when that happens. Like, yeah, it's crazy. And, and if you think about it, the, the people that we lionize in certain ways, like Coretta Scott King, mm-hmm. you know, she never remarried after Martin Luther King, you know, and, mm-hmm. and people kind of look at that with some reverence. They're like, yeah. And there is something uh-huh. to that if that's how you feel. I don't want to stop anybody right. from, from doing that if that's their choice. But also on the right. flip side of it, don't hate on someone just because they're trying to, you know, make their life right. work while they're here, you know. And so. a lot of that is our, um, our culture's fixation with the concept of soulmates, which which I, I'm sorry, I totally skipped yeah. over that. I did want to talk about. No, that. that's fine because it kind of segues right there. Um, I don't, I don't um, accept that 
general, a generally understood term where there's two people who are just born that were meant to be together from the beginning, um, and no, there's nobody else for them. I, I don't really agree with that. I feel like that's um, that soulmate status is something you like attain with someone. It's like a, a place in your journey, not something that you are. But because our culture is so obsessed with the idea of soulmates, then that means in their mind, well, if you love someone else, either the first person wasn't your soulmate, um, and therefore you must not have loved them very much, or the second person is just a warm body to fill the place for the rest of your life. That's, that's, that's all they're giving you is either you didn't love the first person or you don't love the second person, which is very sad to me. And if that was the truth, then that means my, my, the love in my life stopped at 27. And that's, that's, that's really young to never, ever have love ever again. Yeah. And that's, that's a, but that's. Unless you were mistaken the first time and then you get another shot at it, but but maybe they got married to someone else in the meantime, in which case you're completely out of love. (laughs) exactly exactly so it's that's what it is is people like the the idea of the they're going to wait till they're reunited with their soulmate um (laughs) idea um and i mean if if you know if someone really truly feels that way i'm not and they don't ever want to love anyone again or open like if that's where their heart is i'm not going to judge them for that but neither should the person who wants to love again be judged. And so, um, which is why I like, so it was kind of a accumulation of a lot of things. Like when I decided to write that blog was, it was for him and then, you know, for me and all the other widows who have to face that judgment, which is why I think it got such a large response from the widow community. I've got over a thousand messages on my various media, so, uh, social media platforms, and most of them are were from widows or widowers, and or people who were dating mm-hmm. someone who had lost their spouse or married to them, and or um, people who um, had a widow or widower in their family that mm-hmm. that I was able to help under help them understand that process. And so, I think that's why it kind of got such a response was because um, it's something that happens so commonly, but it's not ever. Mm-hmm. Been voiced, um, so I. That's why I was so passionate in the writing. And the funny thing is, I'm like I'm really a nice person. And so, like as I would hear people on TV or whatever quoting my work, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that sounds so mean. <laughs> and um, and like. <laughs> I actually don't ever curse, like ever, and I I did in that blog. And but the running joke is that like I only curse when I really mean it. But I love the fact that when I do curse, it gets the attention of everyone that hears me. Mm. But apparently, it's true because it yeah. gets the attention of of everybody. So right. maybe I should do that more often. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to check back with you in six months and you're going to be Howard Stern over here. <laughs> but, um. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. No. Um, and it was almost like, I, I did not think it was going to go that far. And I put it in there only because like, I'd literally just been joking with my friends about that whole, I only curse when I mean it, but when mm-hmm. I do curse, everyone, you know, everyone takes me real seriously. And so, um, so it was really more, I don't know. I literally sat with on thesaurus.com trying to figure out a better word, but jerk just did not feel like it captured it right. 
<laughs> That's awesome. So I left it. <laughs> so uh, it seems like you made a lot of connections uh, for, mm-hmm. with other people through this. Um, what do you What do you have planned uh, kind of next? What's your What's your next move? Well, um, I had already wanted to write a book um, um, about my story, my journey, Mm -hmm. what had happened. And so I actually did get an email from a publisher and still waiting to hear back from their response after I replied. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that's really going to be my next um, real focus. Mm -hmm. And uh, and actually, this blog kind of helped like focus on a theme because I obviously I know my story, but like I was still trying to figure out, well, what's the point of my story if Mm -hmm. I'm going to put it in a book. And I think like this kind of is going to encapsulate what Mm -hmm. my story is is about that healing of your heart to allow it to expand Mm -hmm. once more. Um, So I think continuing writing my blog, but also I'm going to really work on um, book. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that we, as I guess would would be the summation of what we've talked about, our culture really doesn't know how to talk about death um, and the people that are left behind. Like, it's just not something that we're good at as a culture. So I think think if you keep writing about this kind of stuff, there's always going to be a vacuum because I don't think anybody really, like, you know, wants to to think about it. And so when they Mm -hmm. don't think about it, they don't have anything prepared and they just go to whatever cliche is at hand um, Mm -hmm. to kind of throw at it. So... um, But what would your advice be for people, well, like me, frankly, that are, I'm, I'm married, I have kids, um, you know, you are on the other side of a different situation. What would you say to somebody in my situation? Like what specifically? Um, just like, just like if you, like, or like, for example, if you could talk to yourself back before all this happened, what would you say? Oh, I don't even know. Um, that's a hard one because there's so many things, but at the same time, you really don't understand until you've walked through it. So like as when it comes to dealing with it, like what, what I would tell myself if I could go back, you know, two years and say, this is going to happen. Is that kind of what your sure. yeah. question is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like maybe for me, at least the, to make sure to keep what's important in in front of you. Um, like I think I wrote one blog, I'm not sure if you got there or not. Um, but, uh, and you know, the dishes are never more important than, you know, a kiss, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Like, and cause that, that used to be, I, I hated if I'm in the middle of doing something and John wanted to come over and give me a hug or a kiss, I'm like, can you just let me finish this real quick? You know, that sort of thing. And those, those moments are the things I regret. And so making sure, you know, does this really matter in the end? Does this really matter? And, um, if the answer is no, then, you know, let it go a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but when it comes to like, to, there is nothing you can do to prepare for, this kind of trauma situation. Um, it's just, you know, taking a day at a time, you just, you transform through it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not something you can really prepare for. Yeah, I guess that's true. I always think like, maybe if I think about the worst thing that could happen, then it won't happen. Or maybe I'll like pre be upset about it, but there's just certain things that you're going to feel how you feel in the moment. It doesn't matter. There's literally nothing I could possibly say to myself or anyone else Uh that could prepare you for this sort of situation other than, 
if you know when that time comes just take it a day at a time like like just do the next thing so mm-hmm. the first for me some days i would it'd be like okay take this plate and put it in the sink and like just focus on that <laughs> okay pick up jocelyn and go change her diaper focus on that like and so just do the next thing um mm-hmm. and that's and then eventually you make it through right the other side definitely so. um well i we're getting near the hour mark and i really appreciate you taking all this time uh, to talk with me mm-hmm. here uh i always ask this before we go and, and i did read in your writing how you said it was actually difficult for you to listen to music uh mm-hmm. only for the fact of that you know of course your husband was so musical and that you kind of you know there mm-hmm. was uh, some uncomfortable connections where you know, other people are just listening to a song but um, have you yeah. been able to get reacquainted with music at all uh, in these past few months yeah um, so I had basically did full stop on all music for a long time um, because John sang everything and if he if he performed a song he sang it 50 you know million times to prepare for it to practice and um, to, pr- to perform it so um, I, I have I've found um, satellite radio has helped because mm-hmm. it got um, other channels that aren't you know playing the normal stuff so I usually play like the coffee house something just kind of quiet mm-hmm. um, which has been nice because I've been able to kind of find new um, new music that way and then mm-hmm. um, yeah so I've been really just kind of ex- exploring new songs and it's been easier now there's like certain songs that i can listen to now that i i wasn't able to before um like specifically the song um hallelujah blanking on who sang it (laughs) Um, Uh, if it's the one from shrek it's jeff buckley yes that's it yeah that one was a very difficult one for me because i had insisted he learn and play that one because it was a favorite song of mine mm-hmm. and um i it, i knew it would suit his voice perfectly and it did and it was actually a crowd favorite mm-hmm. um that he got re- like he got the most applause or tips or that was always requested and so that song i'm actually able to listen to again and um i'm in the next couple of weeks we'll be getting a um a memorial tattoo um mm-hmm. and we'll be incorporating some lyrics in the some of the notes from that song. Hmm. Very cool. Um, is there anything I didn't ask you about that you want to get in there before we go? I can't think of anything. Okay. Well, I thank you again for taking all this time and I will send you a link when it's up. It'll probably be Thursday or Friday. And, uh, yeah, I hope to talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.
you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast everywhere it's available, which includes iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. It really helps. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. Until next time.